Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this is Saturday Night Live. Okay, well, that's not true, but I've always wanted to do that, so thanks for indulging me. No, you're actually listening to a new bonus episode of this damn fine podcast, and it's thankfully with an incredible human being who's known as Charlie Gunn. Charlie is an entertainment journalist from London who's also founded an incredible new outlet called The 45. It's an online music magazine that focuses on the creative exploits of women, women identifying, and non-binary people, specifically through the lens of writers and photographers who are also part of those communities. After leaving a prestigious editor role at a magazine, Charlie went out on her own and bet on both herself and a vision that she believed in, a vision of a creative home for people who felt unheard, underappreciated, and of course, misunderstood. Kicking off during the COVID pandemic, The 45 operates as an outlier in the music world with a high level of quality across its features that celebrate the multitudes of everyone involved. In just a few short months, they've already had incredible features showcasing the likes of Phoebe Bridgers, Haim, St. Vincent, Amber Mark, Leaky Lee, and more. Yes, seriously more. It was so much fun getting to be part of this talk. Charlie is a tenacious woman who has a strong vision for what journalism can be, and on today's bonus episode, she shares that vision with me. Along with the what, why, and hows of taking an idea like an independent magazine and the realities of bringing that to life, what does it look like? How does it feel to put in all that effort? And of course, why do it in the first place? It'll be mentioned within the description for this, but remember to also check out the 45's Patreon page for early drops on interviews, bonus content, and more. Be sure to subscribe and rate this pod on the app you're listening to this on. Those gestures help us independent creatives in a big way, so if you like what you hear, do let me know about it. This is The New Exchange with Charlie Gunn. Enjoy. So we met a few years back when you were here in New York for um, the 1975's gig at Madison Square Garden, and and I love when people come here and they have this energy about them where it's like, they're able to just fully be themselves. It's almost like they walk around like they own the place. Like, this is kind of what my takeaway was when I met you. I felt like you had this energy about you that was just like, oh, I belong here. And it was almost like you were owning your shit. Is that like a trip you look back on fondly when you remember it? Yeah, it was great. I think maybe that energy came from all of the pints that I drank. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I love New York so much. My friend at the time I was over staying with a friend, a music journalist, uh, Rianne Daly, shout out to her, who um, kind of did the thing that we'd all been wanting to do and moved over. I lived in New York for, I don't know, however long they let her live there. And, um, and yeah, it's so cool. I just, I always love being there. It's like every time I go there, I'm like, this is the year I'm going to move. I'm going to be there. But, but yeah, it was very cool time. I remember meeting you in a bar in that band. I don't know what happened to them. QTY. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were really good for a bit. They were there. Um, I think they were signed to Dirty Hit. I don't know what happened, but um. But yeah, it was a fun show. Yeah, it was an unbelievable show. And and I remember the energy being great. And, you know, considering the context, you were actually here working, right? 
Like, I think you were here for the NME or something? Um, I was working at NME at the time. And I was kind of on, I was kind of just on holiday visiting Rianne. But I think, yeah, maybe I was writing about that show while I was there. So it's always important for me to start this way. Like, I usually ask musicians um, a variation of this question. But uh, since you're a journalist, I think it's more important to do it this way. Uh, so yeah, Charlie, when did writing enter your life? Or more or less, how did writing enter your life? Writing? Hmm. I think, well, at school, yeah, it was definitely always the thing that I was best at. <laughs> um, was like, used to read a ton as a kid and sort of like make up just loved making up stories was really into Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> yeah which was like all about making up stories so I feel like all of these things combined sort of like yeah just um imagining things and and being creative and then like creating like worlds and writing stuff down it was kind of always what I wanted to do but yeah, in a work sense, kind of straight from uni, I guess. But yeah, I always had an idea that's where I wanted to be. But as with most people when they're like 18, you don't really have a clue. <laughs> you know, this might be making a massive leap and a stretch for me. But in the context of loving uh, Dungeons and Dragons in your youth, it's kind of interesting. And in because when you think about it, essentially that's storytelling but in a way where you're forced to think of these lives and these like storylines that are so beyond your everyday life like these lives that kind of exist separate from what you're seeing in your day-to-day -day. and when you think about the early days of when you get into music journalism in a lot of ways it is kind of outside of that that sphere of like everyday life you know you know, talking to bands, covering their tours and going to shows, you know, in a way you're kind of doing that as well. You know, you're kind of showing people this out of the ordinary life, so to speak, you know? I like that link. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, because I came to music relatively late in my career. Um, I've done a lot of other types of writing before. And so, yeah, for that that first year... I was working um, in music journalism. It was wild. Like, I could not believe, like, every experience was just like, what? Why do I get to do this? Like, it's so nuts. But, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, I like that comparison. What you said there spoke to me a lot, especially because, like, one of my favorite things would be, because, you know, living here in New York, you could get jaded, um, you know, very quick living here. and. Uh, Something that I deeply love is when a band or an artist comes here, especially if they're young, and you kind of get to see the city through their eyes and kind of all the things that New York has to offer that a lot of us New Yorkers take it for granted. I imagine with people who live in London, it's quite similar in a way. Yeah, it's really hard. I've always, I'm from London, so I have to work extra hard to, to appreciate it. And actually a lot of the people that I know who have moved from London from other parts of the UK or abroad are like much better at um you know making the most of everything it has to offer and but like but it's every time I go away somewhere else 
you know, probably even after that New York trip when we met, I come back to London and I'm like, right, why when I go to another city do I do loads of cool stuff? This city is cool. Let's do that here. And then you know you get stuck in your little <laughs> bubble. But but um it is an awesome place and um yeah, for sure. Like it's I always love talking to new artists who are just at the start of their journey and are like so excited. They're not sick of talking to press yet. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's like, you know, it's palpable, that feeling of like what's to come. And what do you feel it was about music for you? Like when you think back, what do you think it was that clicked for you about music being the thing you wanted to focus on? Did, like, do you remember that? My parents were super young when they had me and were like into, in, in the 80s, they were like literal teenagers into kind of, New Order and the Smiths and so I always I grew up in a house like of all their friends um and they were all in bands and were like playing music all the time so from from a really young age it just it was really important part of my life and then yeah I think when I was about 10 I guess I started forming like my own independent music case like separate from the stuff that my parents like and just always really you know the first time I was like allowed out on my own it was like to go to shows and um was in bands when I was a teenager and like yeah the the writing part I always always wanted to work in music it just seemed like that's not a job people really can get <laughs> like so I just got a job as a writer in more kind of like women's lifestyle type magazines I mean even calling them women's lifestyle right now feels like way uh too gender specific and kind of outdated but like yeah more like lifestyle stuff because I just needed a job but like grew up reading the enemy and select magazine and like all the great kind of 90s British music magazines and and actually, my first job was in the same building as Emily. I was determined that I would get there. <laughs> and I did, which I was pleased about. But, um, but yeah, it was always the goal. But music, music's like just, you know, as with most of the people you talk to on this podcast, I'd imagine, it's just the through line through everything, like all my best friendships, my relationships, my work. It just kind of ties all of it together. That probably sounds really cheesy, but... No, it's true. It's like having a consistent companion, like one that's not like even though they're not there with you physically, they still exist in some way and they're always with you through these things you're experiencing in your life. I mean, in a lot of ways, I like I find that to be very staggering, regardless of like the genre or like where the acts are in their career. It's kind of crazy how music has that ability to just be there for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I just wonder what I would be doing if it you know if it wasn't for that so I didn't have this kind of early that early connection to it my whole life would have ended up being quite different but you know it's crazy and I, I know this is going to be like I'm making so many different leaps and bounds in this conversation this is going to be another pretty drastic leap but um but what you just said there kind of just reminded me of um, Leonard Cohen I'm a big Leonard Cohen fan and he said something in an interview once that you just reminded me of where like um, he talked about like how prior to becoming a musician, 
he was um a writer like a poet and an author and what ended up leading him to want to um pursue music was that he wasn't uh financially successful as a writer and he looked at music as the means to do that and in this interview the interviewer pointed out that many people wouldn't look at music as a means to obtain more money and similar to you it's kind of funny that you were writing about like lifestyle things and then you decided to go into music as a means of writing about music as a means to um you know pretty much do the same thing Leonard Cohen did in a way like you thought initially that writing about music was inaccessible but you found yourself writing about lifestyle and ended up kind of like the contrast there is a little crazy don't you think (laughs) yeah yeah I mean it it was it was not the smartest career move in terms of (laughs) financials probably but um but no it's just like you know the amount of um joy it gives me to write about a band as opposed to um you know a recipe or something I mean. it does seem inaccessible like i um i've never been able to pinpoint what it is because from my life of having you know taking photos and traveling with acts and all that and like when i talk to people from the outside of like you know the sp- the sphere of what we do there tends to always be this kind of um questioning of like uh like how do you how did you do that or how did you get into that and as the years have gone on i've never really figured out how to have a more refined well more like i've never figured out how to have a more like definitive answer really but there is something that does seem innately inaccessible from the outside about covering artists and even just being around them that is kind of fascinating and i think in a lot of ways this is actually what led me to wanting to talk to you because i feel like with what you've been building with the 45 that element that word inaccessible i feel like the aim is to be anything but yeah well i want but that's the hope yeah um i think music journalism you know certainly since i was reading those magazines when i was like you know 10 or whatever it has felt like certainly in the uk like this kind of small quite cliquey club that sometimes can be a bit like mean girlsy, even though it's also old men. <laughs> but but that's definitely changing. But yeah, I think one of the things with the forty five that I wanted to do is just kind of open up this like very cool world to lots of different types of people and um, make it feel like yeah, you can do this too, and and sort of share the all the amazing life experiences that I've had through doing this job with a kind of new generation of people um, take like, you know, hopefully taking away any of the kind of negative side of it, which is, yeah, sometimes it being a bit cliquey or exclusionary or all of those things, but the work in progress. You know, I've seen you post stuff about this on social media before, but, um, but for people listening who might not know, can you go into some of the experiences that led you to even wanting to create the 45? Like specifically the internal journey that you went on, because I do think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So um, I'd worked at Enemy for about five years. Um, Latterly was the editor there. And 
um always sort of felt like yeah the things that I said really that the, the environment was it at times the best place in the world to work at times quite toxic as a woman working in music journalism um which is true I think of every woman who has worked in music gen- journalism certainly up to the time I was doing it I think now like things are definitely way better now but there was just a kind of exhaustion with feeling like you just had to say things five times to be listened to and you know this stuff's been talked about so much but just feeling like I you know my style of management it really isn't be the tough guy I just think why can't everybody just do their work and we have a nice time and yes if something needs doing then I will say it in a kind of calm and fair way but I think that there was still a kind of legacy of people who had ruled under editors who were very like different from that um yeah I just I kind of could see people struggling in the environment younger writers particularly and um after sort of trying to affect change for a certain amount of time and and having like a lot of a lot of wonderful experiences there um I decided it was time to just set up my own thing so it was just pre-pandemic and I decided to launch a new publication with a focus on championing female and non-binary talent both in front of um like as a consumer facing thing and also with the team that we hire so it's a predominantly female team um and we predominantly write about female artists it's not um super specific but um that's the kind of aim is to encourage more women into this like incredible job and hope that they don't have to put up with some of the bullshit I had to put up with. <laughs> there is like so much that I want to highlight within what you just said there, both within the past and the present. In the context of the present, I mean, I love the 45, I read it. And what I especially love about the journey and it existing is that, and I should point this out, actually, um, I was also uh, raised in London. And, um, and I bring that up because in context of when I bring up British life, and just the way things tend to be done over there i do feel like i have a bit of a general understanding of having you know been there as a kid and going back so often as an adult i mean this is a massive generalization but i do think it applies but i think what's really significant about what you've been doing with the 45 is that entrepreneurship is not really something that is as encouraged in the uk as it is in the states that's definitely changing and has been for like the last couple years but I do think there is still quite a stark difference. And I bring that up because for you to have the idea and to actually see it come to fruition is something that's very special and very different than how I think a lot of people would find themselves thinking over there, you know, if that makes any sense. Oh, thank you. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. I've never really thought of it like that. But yeah, um, I think that is changing with the, the, the kind of newer generation. But Certainly, yeah, none of my peers had the idea to kind of, that they could set up their own business or set up their own thing. It was just sort of like you get a job. That's that's the mentality. I'm generalizing too, but um, 
but I hear you on that. And yeah, you know, going back into what I brought up, you know, in the context of discussing the past, you know, when you brought up the enemy and you brought up how you felt working there, I think the term that would be best applied would be golden handcuffs. Because for people listening who are unfamiliar with uh, music journalism, there was a time in which working at the enemy would be would have been considered the job to have, like one of the best jobs you could have had in music journalism. It would have been seen as like the best job you could have ever hoped to achieve in a lot of ways. And it's th- this is important to state. This isn't just in the context of the UK. I, this is international. This was like a very international perspective. So you have a situation where you have this place where getting a job there is considered the pinnacle of a career. And of course, things change. I think what's really interesting in bringing this up is that you were within that, and yet you found yourself in a position where you wanted more than that. And to me, honestly, it makes all the sense in the world because, you know, it's one thing for a place to be an institution, but like, you know, the things that you highlighted there in regards to experiences are things that I've heard echoed from others. And it's not like it's, and it's not like it's solely indicative of the enemy as a whole. It's more that it's indicative of like the music and entertainment world, really, at least in my perspective. Where these worlds and these institutions within these worlds are very resistant to change in almost any way. For sure. And it was like, I can continue trying to, I always get this analogy wrong. What is it? Turn the oil tanker or something? (laughs) Or um, very, very slowly, but it just, yeah, or just go and do the thing that I want to do, but do it on my own. But but yeah, it was like a really tough decision because that job is like job of a lifetime, you know. So it was a really hard decision to to leave, but it felt like the right time. And then I, you know, I think if it hadn't been, I left in January 2020. So obviously didn't know what was around the corner. But I think um, having the kind of COVID lockdown time, as I hear so many artists talk about like it was quite nice to just have some headspace and to actually put time into making this new thing which if that hadn't happened you know who knows um things may have been different like um but yeah it all kind of worked out I think (laughs) yeah well in the context of the 45 you know you described essentially the closest thing to a mission statement but I wonder if there was like an aha moment for you, because, you know, I think something that's quite significant is that a lot of things that exist, I think a lot of people would agree, they tend to come from a reaction or meaning like a lack of seeing that within the world. I wonder if you felt that way in regards to the 45, where you had this idea and it was very much from a place of like, I don't see this anywhere else in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, sort of just looking around me at, at any point um, in work life or, you know, out at events or, you know, trying to place um, stories, interviews with the right type of writer. Um, it just often seemed like we were struggling to find people who could get the best story out of someone um through shared experience and I mean you know a great journalist is a great journalist you could put them in front of anyone and they do a good job but 
but yeah I think like as time moved on there we were sort of aware that like it just wasn't always the best idea to put a kind of middle-aged man in front of like a young female artist and like try and have like a kind of smart conversation with her about like you know her experiences and like it didn't always feel the right thing to do and so um yeah just just like a, a lack of people like me doing it really um and that was I guess the aha moment but it was gradual I would say yeah just this really seems to be a thing (laughs) you know you just saying that there actually made me feel kind of silly because I like having had the context of working in music journalism and like like you know seeing other journalists function I never really thought of that, but that visual of, like, a guy in his, like, 30s or 40s talking to, like, a young woman who's, like, maybe 19, 20 about some art that she's created and kind of, like, excavating into her feelings. It is kind of, like, comical when you think about the actual visual of it. I mean, obviously, there's, like, some professionalism there, but there's a world that exists where it just kind of is a bit of, like, probing, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I don't want to make you feel stupid. Obviously, like I say, a great journalist is a great journalist and, and that's the skill, isn't it? You, you should be able to be in front of any type of person and, and have a great conversation with them. But yeah, I think it, I think it's when it's about being comfortable. Like, I, you know, interview a lot of young female artists and they do tend to say, yeah, like I'm surrounded like nine to five by like groups of older men. And like, it's tough sometimes like going into a room and being heard and, and, you know, just, it just kind of weighs you down a bit, I think. So yeah, it was just, I, I guess through my own personal experiences, it was something that I was just becoming more and more aware of. And, um, and I'm like really, really thrilled to see that I think all this is, is changing. Like I think, you know, I look at Enemy now and I think they're in a really great place and they're doing really great work and feels more like sensitive and inclusive and so um yeah I think a couple of years ago maybe that was was less the case like across the board um but I think I think the industry is finally paying attention to these things would you agree I mean I would agree to an extent especially in the sense that you know I mean I generally uh, <laughs> you know like I make a lot of jokes but this is like my actual opinion. This is how I feel, where um, I really do love the younger generation when it comes to writing and photography, because I think it's so amazing how they don't really try to copy one another and they don't really try to stick to any specific set of rules. It feels like there is this overt sense of expression that's very um, invigorating. Like I have struggled with trying to figure out ways to make people comfortable with like you know the branding or whatever while also trying not to like overload them and like promoting it too much but then there is this school of thought that maybe you actually should do that that you should be overloading people and that it's almost kind of like how do you get your name out there while also considering how people might react to it i mean it's like a whole mess of things really it's really cool it's really cool I think, yeah, the caring less thing could have served me well throughout all, all, all parts of my, my working life. 
yeah it's a it's a nice skill to have that yeah yeah because i got started back in 2009 and i remember that like subconsciously i very much wanted to emulate the people that i looked up to and it was almost as though that was more the norm or like more of what was expected that you would just look at people ahead of you and just think to yourself like that's what you needed to do and i feel like whenever I see the way younger people approach creativity, I feel like that's not necessarily there as much. Tell me this then, like, have there been any unexpected challenges when it's come to getting the 45 off the ground? Yeah, there's been a ton of challenges. I mean, I was just so like, like, I've got a lot of contacts, obviously, in music, but it's one thing getting behind something that's established and being supportive of you when you've got a platform that is sizable and when you're starting something from scratch obviously you don't have that so I was just so pleased at how supportive you know the the PRs and and managers and people I I know were of the publication um of being like yeah this artist wants to talk to you for your thing that you just made up in your house um and so yeah that's been really great I was like you say not sure I was like well I do like a soft launch and just kind of see how it goes but the trouble with this industry is that as soon as one person knows something then everybody knows it and so it didn't really feel like it there was much <laughs> chance of keeping it a secret um but yeah I mean financially making money from digital content is so hard everybody gets paid that works for the site whether that's like designers photographers or writers that was always really important to me um but yeah like you know funding digital content through advertising or partnerships and stuff it's like it's super hard so um it's all self-funded by me um we have a patreon if you want to (laughs) donate to the course um but yeah, so it's like just a kind of constant battle in that regard to like do really good work, put out like a breadth of coverage that I would like to be doing and um, and then, yeah, make make it make sense financially. But yeah, it's so that, I mean, challenges, I don't know, like otherwise everyone's been like really supportive. It's like growing every month in terms of readership. Um, there's just endless frustrations of like, oh, I wish we were doing more cool video content or you know, podcasts and all this stuff, but we'll get there, I think. It's just, I just have to be a little bit patient and <laughs> aware of the kind of constraints that we're operating within. But um, I already had so much respect for the publication, like, but after hearing that, it's just really insane what you've been able to do in such a short period of time. Like, I almost feel like I should point out in a sense of like, almost like talking shop in a way, but you know, Like, I find it really impressive that, like, what you were saying there, like, the way you were saying it's difficult to make money from digital content. And it's kind of funny because, like, one of the things that you see people say, kind of like one of those, like, marketing one-on-one things is that, like, to make any money, you want to, like, specialize as much as possible, like, really find that niche. But what I think is really fascinating is the fact that the 45 kind of goes out of its way to, um, like, you know, not that it's... It's not that the 45 or like what you're doing is against making money, but I think it's really special that you're deliberately going out of your way to tell such a diverse and eclectic array of stories. Like, 
it's yeah it kind of like focuses on like music and entertainment but it is so vast in regards to how you go about that really well i mean i would like to actually ask you the opposite of that question that i asked what would you say has been one of the most rewarding things or almost like kind of easy thing about making the 45 into reality like it's so easy to kind of focus on the negatives but i imagine in doing this there's been quite a bit of like unexpected joys yeah Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just so nice. There have been a lot of writers where we've kind of given them their first, like, published piece, um, which is just, you know, it's so special. Um, so, so grateful to be able to do that for people and, and have seen them then go on to write for kind of like bigger name publications. So that is like incredibly satisfying. Um to think that you can give someone a leg up in the industry. Um, that's really cool. I mean, some of the work that we've created, like I've really personally loved being, you know, having to be so involved in all of it means that, you know, sometimes I'm like creative directing a photo shoot or like working with all different types of creatives, which um, in past jobs, I was probably like strictly words really and a bit of social stuff but um so yeah being able to meet all these kind of like really incredible creative minds not just journalists um has been really cool and yeah I don't know just like watching it grow like I'm a nerd for stats so um you know just living in google analytics and just being like oh right okay people like this thing like what does that mean and you know seeing how more people have come to the site every month or super satisfying when an artist like shares a thing that we've done together and like I don't know like there's so many so many things well you know I really do need to catch up on the features on the site but um I was quite stunned to see that you guys got to do one with um Leaky Lee is how you say it right is that that's how you say her name yeah Thank you, Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. For those who are unfamiliar, she's a Swedish pop singer who's both deeply respected and famous throughout Europe, particularly. And something that she's quite famous for, especially, is being quite um, cagey. Uh, she doesn't really do a lot of interviews. She's very candid in social media and in her music. But when it comes to talking to the press, she does, to be, she does tend to be quite guarded, generally. I mean, yeah, she doesn't really grant uh, many interviews. So, yeah, what was it like for you having that on the horizon? Because, yeah, that's just fucking crazy. Definitely. Like, whenever we get um, time with a kind of, you know, big-ish name, particularly someone like Licky, like you say, he doesn't do a ton of interviews. It's like, what? Like, my little thing that I made? Like, it's so crazy. But... Um, but yeah, that piece was really beautiful. Um, the writer was a, had been a fan for years and um, had some great photos. And yeah, she's awesome. I mean, there's been like, we we had a like really early, maybe the first interview with St. Vincent on the like latest run. It's another person who's like, you know, can be, I think a little bit tricky in interviews, although she seems to have like shed that a bit on this kind of latest promo run but I was like so grateful to have been able to have time with her and we did a like an Avril Levine cover which like really blew my mind it's like what but um, 
but yeah, so you know, things like that. There, there are definitely definitely moments where um I'm just kind of like, that's just crazy. Like, why why are these people talking about my thing? But I'm but it's because it's good. <laughs> it's why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Say that louder for the people in the back. <laughs> it's good. It's good because of, you know, it's good because of all the incredible people that that write for it. But it it is. And I think it is like it does something a little bit different than than other publications aren't doing right now. So yeah, I sh I should be better at um being more positive when I talk about it. I have to say though, even though that was just like a bit of a glimmer, I did find myself feeling a bit of a kinship with you in that. Because I was chatting with a mate of mine a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling him that, like, in quite an unabashed way, I was kind of saying how, in my experiences of doing this, it's actually weirdly become a great antidote to um, imposter syndrome in some ways. It's like, it's hard to explain in a way that makes sense, I think, but I think it's because that I'm the one, because I'm the one that's doing all the work and making this podcast a reality. It's like I have a very, objective and clear view of what it entails to make it exist like i don't think there's a case i don't think there'll ever be a case where i could say this is the best podcast in the world but i do feel confident enough in saying that it's both good and very great because of the hard work that goes into it and yeah it's become easier for me to recognize and own that it is damn good and great i've listened to a ton of them and you're a very good ah. and uh but yeah really enjoyed it <laughs> oh shucks i didn't know that oh well, thank you well, that's gonna <laughs> carry it through the day there was one um you know you should definitely have her on the 45 one of the ones i'm very proud of is a podcast i did with denise chyla that was back in season three she's fucking unbelievable oh okay i need to check that one out yeah that's it yeah i like her stuff yeah she's cool yeah, yeah, she's really good. Yeah, you know, like delving into this respects of uh, artists being on the magazine, yeah. I feel like it must be so powerful for you getting that reception from them. Like in everything we've been talking about, particularly in the context of even why the 45 exists, yeah. I feel like artists must feel the same way. Like I, t I think of someone like St. Vincent, for example, right? I imagine that when like you know, the pitch went out and she interfaced with the magazine. I imagine for her it was very refreshing coming across a publication that was clearly not run by just a bunch of, you know, white dudes. And I imagine that feeling, like that idea, it probably permeates beyond an artist and goes even to like, you know, managers and publicists and record label execs. Because I think it would surprise a lot of people who are not in the music industry. But something that's kind of crazy is that even though there is this patriarchal system that has, you know, the hold that it does, there are a lot of women that work in music. Like, there's a lot of women who work in these offices. And I imagine a lot of them also tend to feel like they're not being heard. So maybe it's a bit of a leap, but you could definitely illuminate it to me. Because I imagine that when you're pitching pieces to some of those people, the conversation is a bit different than it would be if it was just another magazine run by dudes, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's often, um, like, often a publicist will come to us with something that they feel like it's the right place for it because we they know we'll sort of tackle it sensitively or, yeah, we'll put, like, the right person on the job. Um, so, yeah, definitely 
it works both ways. Um, but I think it's good to have, like you were saying earlier, you know, sometimes it's good to have a niche. And I'm like, this niche isn't really a niche. It's like 50% of the population. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's it's good to have a point of difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, before we get to the last question, yeah, I was going to say, are there any people that you would like to give some shout outs to when you, you know, while you have the chance? You know, the people who have helped make this magazine possible. Oh my God, yeah, so many. Um, photographer pal Gen 5. Oh, uh, yeah, one of the best human beings. She is one of the best human beings. Um, lights up any room. And yeah, she's been great. Like, she shot my first two covers well, with Haim and Phoebe Bridges. And it was like in the middle of lockdown. So people were doing like crazy photo shoots over Zoom and various things. And she like discovered this mad app that was in like beta phase where you could like take control of someone's sort of iPhone camera. I don't know. It was all very crazy. But um, but yeah, she did just did a like phenomenal job of those early covers and, con- and continues to just like help me out like in a way that is just so appreciated. Sinead Mills, who's like a really great music publicist and manager, has been like super supportive of the whole journey of the mag. She's just someone I like. Sometimes you just need an extra person to like bounce ideas around with. And she is she's kind of always there to do that with me. And yeah, just like a ton of the, you know, all of our writers and photographers, really. I mean, there's too many to name, but a, a girl, Emma Holbrook, who worked with me for about a year it was her first writing job she's an incredible writer like she'd never done music writing before and it was just like how are you this good like I, I don't know there's there's been so many people but um too many to name but I just I'm always just encouraged by the amazing talent out there and um if anyone is listening to this who is wants to be a writer or a photographer then please do get in touch with me because we're always looking for more people yeah well i mean that's unbelievable okay so it's a big question it's the last one but it's a big question and it's gonna sound basic but i think you're gonna have a good answer or like a series of answers but who's an artist you're dying to have on the cover like you know an artist that you feel like would just you know speak to what the 45 is about and would just be very important for you to have on who isn't beyonce but <laughs> um yeah Beyonce Beyonce would be a good one um wow what a question I mean I just spend my life trying to get Phoebe Bridges on the cover again (laughs) that's like always my goal um I think she's so cool and funny and a great musician and yeah I would endlessly talk to her but uh I don't know I mean someone like Patti Smith would be legendary I think you know it's really interesting to talk to women in the industry who were doing it at a time when they were like really were out on their own doing things and like Patty's just like she's so incredible but like I know I know that probably wouldn't ever happen but um but yeah okay there's two for you okay well there's two you know like you know honestly not to just hype you up I could see Patty Smith like doing it like I I, I well, like I weirdly can to be honest with you um that would be so great. That would be so great. What a legend. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. No, oh, thank you. 
very kind of you and thanks for having me it's been so nice to to chat and like you have to give us a shout next time you're in london Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.